This week's edition of the Detroit Bureau's Headlight News is brought to you by Toyota. The Toyota Sequoia is entirely new for my 2023, sharing a proven high-strength steel frame with Tundra and a serene, spacious cabin that's loaded with the latest tech. This impressive, full-size, three-row SUV comes exclusively with Toyota's iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, making it the most powerful and efficient Sequoia yet. Look for Sequoias to arrive at dealerships by the end of the summer. This is TheDetroitBureau.com's Headlight News. I'm Paul Eisenstein. Welcome. It was a busy week in the automotive world, and here are some of the big stories we've been covering at TheDetroitBureau.com. Ford has idled production of the big F-150 Lightning pickup that follows a fire at a holding lot that appears to have been caused by a battery defect. The automaker says it's found the cause of the problem, but it needs to come up with a fix, and that could mean a week or more before the suburban Detroit factory building the Lightning starts up again. That's a big problem for Ford, which is struggling to meet strong demand for the all-electric truck. Tesla, meanwhile, recalled more than 360,000 cars equipped with full self-driving software because they might fail to stop at intersections or maintain posted speed limits. The automaker plans to update software using smartphone-style over-the-air updates. Tesla still faces an investigation by NHTSA that could lead to the recall of more than 800,000 vehicles equipped with its autopilot system. Tesla will open up its supercharger network to electric vehicles from competing brands under a deal worked out with the Biden administration. That should help relieve the charger anxiety many EV owners are experiencing. Separately, charger companies will now have to get their equipment from U.S. suppliers if they plan to receive federal funding authorized under the U.S. infrastructure law. Hyundai and Kia launched a major campaign of software upgrades, targeting 8 million vehicles that insurance companies, such as State Farm and Progressive, have decided are too easy for car thieves to drive away with. How-to videos found on social media reveal ways to steal older products like the Hyundai Accent that didn't offer anti-theft engine immobilizers. Automakers are starting to increase supplies of semiconductors, and that should help them stabilize production. Chip shortages have been blamed for repeated production cuts that, in turn, left consumers paying more, even as they struggled to find new vehicles on dealer lots. But some automakers aren't yet out of the woods. Ford, Toyota, and Volkswagen still are facing chip shortages, according to analysts at Auto Forecast Solutions. And finally, BMW was the top-ranked mark in the latest Consumer Reports Auto Brand Report Card. It topped traditional quality leaders like Toyota, Lexus, Genesis, and Kia. The report looks at other factors, including how much fun a brand's products are to drive. The influential publication also listed 10 top picks for 2023, and five of those models were gas-electric, including the Ford Maverick and Hyundai Santa Fe hybrids. Toyota's Camry and Corolla hybrids were also top picks, but not the new Prius. The list also included two electric vehicles, the Nissan Leaf and Tesla Model 3, but EVs overall didn't fare so well due to quality problems. And those are the stories making headlines on TheDetroitBureau.com. Now for the week's top story, here's Jeff Sershmead. Thanks, Paul. Our top story this week is that Ford was forced to halt production of the all-electric F-150 Lightning pickup due to a battery fault that caused one of the newly built pickups to catch fire. There had been no indication of battery problems until the recent fire occurred, and Ford continues to sell the F-150 Lightning while the problem is being resolved. The company has stated that they discovered the root cause of the blaze, but declined to reveal their findings. The company expects production to be idled for up to several weeks to be sure the problem does not recur. 
One possibility is that Ford's nickel, cobalt, and manganese battery chemistry has been known to cause fires. Other EV makers, including Chevrolet and Hyundai, have faced similar problems in the past. The pause in production came just a day after Ford announced plans to build a $3.5 billion battery plant in Michigan. The facility will produce a lower-cost battery for certain models of the Lightning and the Mustang Mach-E. Ford is currently the second-largest seller of EVs in the United States, delivering more than 66,000 EVs worldwide in 2022. The company is targeting a roughly 900% increase in its annual run rate to produce 600,000 units this year and 2 million EVs by 2026. That's our top story. Now over to Mike Strong for our review. For so long, Mazda was known as a producer of sporty, fun-to-drive sedans and hatchbacks like the RX-7, the 323, and more. Fortunately, part of the Japanese automaker's lineup remains in that land that time forgot. The 2023 Mazda 3. Like so many others, Mazda's lineup leans heavily toward larger, and less fun-to-drive, crossovers. However, they managed to retain a few vehicles that keep that spirit, including the 2023 Mazda 3. To be clear, no one's going to confuse it with a sports car, but our 2.5S Carbon Edition hatchback with its gray metallic exterior and red interior really does give off a sports car vibe. It's powered by a 2.5 liter dual overhead cam four-cylinder engine that puts out 191 horsepower and is mated to a six-speed transmission. And while it doesn't seem overwhelming, it does provide plenty of punch for the hatchback. It's responsive and, well, it's fun to drive. Having the iActive all-wheel drive and G-Vectoring Control Plus brings an element of confidence to anyone behind the wheel. It goes where you point it, and again, it's not a sports car, but a quick run through my favorite curvy back roads proved to be an enjoyable one. Mazda's known for vehicles with great fuel economy, and the Mazda 3 Carbon doesn't disappoint, with 29 miles per gallon combined, including 26 city and 33 highway. It also features a slew of safety technology that puts it on par or slightly ahead of other vehicles in its class. On the inside, the red leather seats are heated, very nice in Michigan winters, as well as being comfortable and supportive. The rest of the interior is, well, a bit of a letdown. I've never been a fan of Mazda's interiors. Most everything for the infotainment system is controlled by a dial that forces you to scroll through multiple menus. Let's just say it's not attractive, nor is it intuitive. That said, I do love the volume control on the center console. If you can get past the ungainly technical stuff in the interior, the Mazda 3 is a good-looking car that's well-equipped and, yes, retains the fun-to-drive spirit of its predecessors. And it does so at a very reasonable price of just over thirty-one grand for our Carbon Edition tester after you add in the delivery and handling fees. It's not cheap, but it's definitely a good value. That was our review. Now let's look at what's coming in the week ahead. The shutdown of Ford's F-150 Lightning production line. The automaker is examining what caused one of the batteries in a finished electric pickup to catch fire and what that means going forward. Right now, the company's just ordered production to halt, but it hasn't issued a stop-sale order, which would prevent dealers from selling the trucks already produced. Ford CEO Jim Farley has spoken repeatedly about the need for the automaker to get its product launches done properly and the need to cut down on warranty costs in general. We'll keep tabs on the automaker's investigation and bring you any developments. The DetroitBureau.com has been logging some frequent flyer miles lately and has two new product reveals coming this week. The first comes today in the late morning as we get to offer up our driving impressions of the all-new Chevrolet Colorado midsize pickup. GM reignited the midsize truck market more than a decade ago with Colorado and its GMC sibling, the Canyon. 
We put the latest edition of the Rough and Tumble pickup through its paces and will offer up what we liked and what we think could use some improvement. On Tuesday at 9 a.m., we'll talk about the all-new Genesis GV70 Sport Utility Vehicle. The luxury crossover has been a hit since its debut a few years ago, and Genesis is counting on its popularity to remain high with the new version. Those are just a few of the stories we'll be putting together this week. Now let's go to Larry Prince to learn a bit about automotive history. Larry? Thanks, Mike. Time to take a road trip back into the self-propelled past with This Week in Automotive History. This week in 1852, Henry and Clement Studebaker open a blacksmith shop in South Bend, Indiana. Studebaker eventually becomes a leading manufacturer of horse-drawn wagons to the U.S. Army during the Civil War. Studebaker switches to automobile production in 1902. In 1936, the world's first production diesel-powered passenger car debuts at the International Motorcycle and Automobile Exhibition in Berlin. The Mercedes-Benz 260D, powered by a 2.6-liter four-cylinder engine, develops 45 horsepower and returns 26 miles per gallon, bettering the 18 miles per gallon consumed by the gasoline-powered 200. In 1948, Donald Healy Motor Company Limited is incorporated in Warwick, England, with the intention of building high-performance cars. The company's first vehicle is the Elliott Sedan. But the British government requires automakers to increase models for export, leading the company to produce the Nash Healy sports car two years later. In 1968, Americans Malcolm Bricklin and Harvey Lamb formed Subaru of America to import the Subaru 360, the first mass-produced key car. Powered by a 16-horsepower, two-cylinder, two-stroke engine, it's rated not acceptable by Consumer Reports, which considers the car unsafe. Given its 375 seconds, 0 to 60 mile per hour time, I think we can understand why. In 2000, Chrysler begins building the PT Cruiser with a retro appearance foreshadowed by the 1997 Plymouth Prowler and 1999 Pronto Cruiser concept cars. Based on a reworked Neon platform, it's powered by a 150-horsepower, 2.4-liter, four-cylinder engine. Chrysler would go on to build 1.3 million of them through 2010. And that's the road we've traveled this week in automotive history. For TheDetroitBureau.com, I'm Larry Prince. Thanks, Larry, and that's it for now. You've been listening to TheDetroitBureau.com's Headlight News. I'm Paul Eisenstein.